0: What you're supposed to do is take your little baggie home dump the poop down the toilet wash out the bag and then recycle the bag oh yeah
1: welcome to mosaic of china a podcast about people who are making their mark in china i'm your host oscar fuchs happy chinese new year everyone this is a special recording for me Um, i mentioned in the interview that i've known lexi for three and a half years so i went into this recording having a very clear idea about how it would go but actually it went completely differently. I wasn't expecting the story that she shared, and maybe other people who know Lexi may also get a surprise. I should say that I normally record these intros just before releasing each episode, but I planned on being away at the time this is going out, so I'm pre-recording this on January the 23rd. Normally, I guess a week or two doesn't matter here or there, but as I record today, we've got an impeachment trial starting in the US, we've got a Brexit bill going through Parliament in the UK, And the whole city of Wuhan has just been put on lockdown because of the coronavirus outbreak. Whatever I'm saying right now will at best be obsolete and at worst insensitive by the time you're hearing this. So all I'll say is that this is truly a nice episode and I hope that it'll bring you some necessary cheer. I'm here with Lexi Comstock. Lexi is the founder of Strictly Cookies here in
0: Shanghai. Hello, Oscar. Welcome to my home.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so this is a funny one for me, because usually I invite people to the studio, or actually to my home, but this is the first time in the whole season that I'm going to someone's house.
0: How does it feel? Unsettling? (laughs) It is unsettling. Mario's watching you from the corner.
1: Yeah, so who is Mario?
0: Mario is my, I think, eight-year-old dog that I got in Shanghai. Um, He is a fantastic little pup. A lot of people, a lot of my friends know him very well because they are kind enough to take care of him when I go on various travels or work trips.
1: And he's super well-behaved.
0: He's amazing. And I unfortunately can take no credit for that. When I adopted him, he just was weirdly well-behaved and I don't understand it. He's a street dog, um, but the Shanghai streets, I guess, were kind to him.
1: And it's crazily quiet here. Like, I'm surprised at how insulated you are from the noise outside.
0: Uh, well, one of the reasons for that is because they do construction in the evenings, and by evenings I mean 10pm to 4am. So right now we're we're fine.
1: Okay. Let's start the conversation by first of all talking about um, the object. So what object did you bring?
0: Sure. So I have this cutout of the box that my first mixer came in, and as you can see it's actually a pretty cool design it's almost like a stencil drawing of a mixer and the font is really cool. I don't know. I love the whole the whole look of it and that was obviously a really big step for me to buy a mixer because without it, I was strictly cookies would not have started. And yeah, I don't know. I framed it right after I upgraded to a much larger mixer and actually it's making me a little sentimental looking at it and thinking about that time, but I ended up trading it with someone who was moving back to the states and she had run a pie company here and had a really big industrial size mixer that we actually still use. So it was like an amazing trade. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. What do you think?
1: I like it. It has some kind of like retro feel to it, and yet it's modern, but maybe that's because modern is retro now. Totally. <laughs> and we've gone into a little bit about what oh, yeah. you do. So you, yeah. you mentioned Strictly Cookies. So what is that?
0: Yeah. So Strictly Cookies is an American style soft and chewy cookie company that I founded in 2010 right after moving to Shanghai. So I had originally come to Shanghai for a marketing job at a Chinese firm because I had studied Chinese and China generally in college. And I came over for that job, but then after a few months got a little bit bored and restless and really genuinely missed cookies from the States. I don't know, how long have you been in Shanghai?
1: I was just thinking that as I'm looking at you because you were one of the first people I met actually when I came and it was about three and a half years ago.
0: Yeah, so I'm coming on nine years in Shanghai. And back then, there were really only a few coffee shops. The baking scene was relatively non-existent. And I could not find a good cookie. And I love cookies. Cookie was actually my first word, which is a fact that my mom reminded me of. I think a year after I started the company, she was like, oh, that's so weird. Like, that was your first word. And I had forgotten about that. So the company was birthed out of a true need for cookies. (laughs) And back then, regulations were a bit looser than they are now. And so I was able to start very slowly and organically and kind of grow as the demand grew, whereas now it's very strictly regulated if you want to do food in China. Um, There are a lot of rules about what licenses you need if you're going to sell to cafes and restaurants. But I was very lucky that that really changed in a way that worked with the growth of our company. So I was able to join forces with other people who were doing food businesses in China. So it wasn't a huge upfront cost, which was great. And then in 2013, we opened our first shop that we actually are still in that shop today.
1: It makes me think about the other entrepreneurs that I've met, and especially in the restaurant and food industry. It feels like now there's a a lot more barriers to just organically doing something like, like you did.
0: Yeah, you have to go in with much more of a plan now. I think back then, you had a lot of the risks that you have today, But you could kind of like test things out before you fully committed to it. Whereas I feel like now there's less room for that. And I think that that is normal in any sort of developing country. Like you need to do more regulations. And I actually am very happy with how the government has done food regulation because obviously safety is enormously important. So that's actually been cool. And I've, I've, you know, I've had actually really nice interactions with the Chinese equivalent of the Food and Drug Administration. I really enjoy talking to them because they want. They're like, "Yeah, this is confusing. We're like updating these things, but this is what you have to do." And it seems like they want you to follow them. They're not trying to trap you or anything. They just like want to help, which is great.
1: So what, when I think about um, your business, it's really hard to scale, right? How how do you um, expand your business here from Shanghai to elsewhere?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think China has such a strong logistics operation thing going on. So instead of saying, okay, we're going to go in cold and open in Chengdu and wherever, like we say, okay, first, let's build up our Taobao business and see where people are buying from and kind of test the market that way. And I think expanding that way for us makes a lot of sense because i think you're right it would be way too hard just especially if you don't have a ton of money behind you just to go in and like drop into these cities and things change so rapidly that i think we've really benefited from just the research side of things like through shipping
1: and then I'm just looking at this uh, object, your cardboard cutout there, and it's making me think about those early days. Yeah, Those are always exciting. I, I think back to when I was first setting up my company and you're doing it out of your kitchen or yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> Talk to me about um, what were the real highlights, and, and I guess, um, what were the lowlights? Were there any like real failures at the beginning as well?
0: Oh yeah, it's always like they're both sprinkled in there the whole time. When you're running your own business, you're never sitting back and saying, wow, I've done such a good job. You have maybe like five moments throughout your entire career of that and then you get distracted by something else and and so the real highlights for me have been these small moments. I remember one in particular when it was really early on, it was within the first 2 years and I was looking out the window and thinking this is so cool that this is my job and this is awesome that I've created this product. I love cookies so much <laughs> creatively. I love cookies because it's a very simple base, you know, it's a very simple dessert. Everyone can understand it. Like it's not a complicated thing that's like really highbrow. But you can be so creative within the combinations. I don't know. I think that that's what life is all about, like kind of have, having like a simple base to things, but then spicing things up. And so it's really been like a pure joy to be able to spend even some of my time creating something that I hope that other people enjoy as much as I do. Those are the really cool moments. Obviously, low lights are, I mean, firing people sucks <laughs> and that's no fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had every issue you can think of. We've had supply chain issues. We've had ingredient mishaps. We've had employees stealing. We've had, you know, anything you can think about. You can't dwell on those lowlights. You just have to learn from them. I think I'm good at dealing with tricky situations because of this business. Probably the hardest would be when one of my employees was stealing from me just because that was a real betrayal. And I was really young. I was 24 and you know I'd really come to consider him as family especially because he had been with me since the beginning and so that that just felt really bad but I realized that it was just about like he saw an opportunity to make money it was just as simple it was as black and white as that it wasn't anything more and I think we can sometimes make it kind of about us and make it like oh this is like you know this is a reflection of me and obviously it was a reflection of me as like a leader of a company because he was able to exploit that but the fact of the matter was he saw an opening to steal money he did end of story.
1: And how did that all play out then? How did you find out about it?
0: I found out about it because I had been talking to someone at a fair actually about the price of butter because, you know, prices fluctuate. And I had noticed recently that the price of butter had gone up a bunch. And so I was talking to someone at a fair who also was is in the dessert business. And I was like, yeah, like ingredients, like brutal and he was like yeah luckily butter's gone back down and i was like what (laughs) and so i looked into it a little bit and i you know you have these feelings that something just isn't right but i really hadn't wanted that to be true you're so paranoid like you're like okay is it just this one person acting alone who else knows about it is he in cahoots with the company i'm buying from like are they providing fake fapiao so like because i was seeing the records and i didn't understand so i had my friend call from like a different number in case they had my number place an order for some of the ingredients, but not the exact ingredients we would order because I didn't want it to be too obvious. So like she ordered like butter and chocolate and sugar maybe. And then I had them deliver it to a friend's office address and they delivered it and it was all different pricing um, and cheaper, which didn't make any sense because she ordered a bag of each and we were ordering a ton more. And so I was like, okay, so I brought my lawyer at the time and sat down with him and it was really, really hard. Um, And he was like, he tried to deny it for a little bit Um, And I was and I just looked at him and I was like, no, I know. I know. Um, And then he didn't really say anything. We were producing a lot of cookies at that point. So I really had to like rip apart all of the way the business was running. Like I had to shoulder it a lot on my own at that time. And that really forced me to just do all of those things. And, you know, it was actually a very exhilarating time because I was like, yeah, you know, I clearly do love this business and this company because this just really rattled me. But I'm still really excited about waking up and going to the factory um, and also it, it proved to me that I needed to just do things a little bit differently and have a little more oversight.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, I had no idea that that's the story that we'd be going to today. Yeah. It, it makes me think actually, cause it was your own business. It was very much your baby. Like this, when you say the word betrayal, I, I know exactly what you mean. Like this is not just a business betrayal. This would have been personal, right?
0: It was so personal, especially I genuinely loved him. Like he was kind of like a, like father, uncle figure, especially being so far away I I don't know if it's crazy, but like separate from that incident, he still was a very good friend to me in other ways. And like, I will never speak to him again, but that doesn't ruin the nice things that he had done for me. Maybe it was to make me feel comfortable with him and trust him. Who knows? But like, I just prefer not to think of it that way. There's no point.
1: Well, let's not dwell too much on that point. (laughs) And we'll end now. (laughs) So do you now um, specifically make cookies for the China market, for example, or are you still selling to people who are more international?
0: I don't know. I think just having lived here, I'm exposed to really cool flavors. And so I just have more fun with Chinese flavors, not because I'm like, oh, here are these cookies for my Chinese customers, but more because I'm like, oh, this is delicious and really cool and interesting. And I love the idea of fusing this with a classic American cookie.
1: So give me an example.
0: So... Matcha marzipan is something that I think is really cool because when I first arrived, I was like, I'm not going to just make like a green tea cookie and pander to the Chinese clients because I think that that's offensive just to be like, you're Chinese, so you're going to love this green tea cookie. But combining a marzipan element, so we make the marzipan in-house and it actually cuts a lot of the bitterness of the matcha. And so that to me is like a really good combination. So that's been a really cool one. Also, we do a Yangmei coconut cookie. I think the English word is Bayberry. It's such a Chinese flavor and it's, you know, I think you can only really get them in June, July. There's so many cool potential flavors of cookies in China and like exploring like spicy elements and all that stuff has been super, super cool and really fun.
1: I'm just thinking actually, we ran into each other in Chengdu, didn't we?
0: Yeah.
1: And you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna challenge you to I think I'm ahead of
0: your challenge. You're gonna
1: use Sichuan pepper?
0: Yeah, duh. You've done it I've already done it, yeah. What's that one then? So, okay, so this was actually really cool. So social media is great and I made an Instagram baking friend who's based in Paris and she's a great baker and I actually went to go visit her in November and we're working on this cookie that's combining um, a popular flavor in both China and in France chestnut and the lovely Sichuan pepper so we're we've done a, a chestnut Sichuan pepper cookie so you stay tuned for that
1: are you going to give me a free one
0: I'll give you two (laughs) Yes.
1: So what about the future then? So if you think about where you've come in the last eight years, like if you project ahead into your crystal ball, like what do you think is going to happen next?
0: I'm excited to expand and not only in China, but outside of China. And I think doing it in creative ways is really important. So it's not necessarily like, oh, like open a flagship store in New York or wherever. I don't know. I think with social media, you can expand in a more interesting and I hope less expensive way.
1: It's funny, just listen to that when you're an American here in China, and now you're thinking about exporting outside of China. Yeah. <laughs> it um, makes me ask you the question, how would your business maybe be different if you'd done this in America, do you think?
0: It wouldn't have worked in a way that now thinking about expanding to the U.S. would. I think that being a little bit removed has allowed me to pick things up, try things out, especially flavor-wise. That's been really cool. So I don't think if we had started this eight, nine years ago in the U.S., it would have worked in the same way. The U.S. is like such a saturated market with cookies. But I've been doing it for so long that now it's more of just like a sheer determination of like this will work and like I will find a way to do it. And you're still small
1: enough that you can adapt. You know, you're nimble. Yeah. Good luck to you, Lexi. Thanks. And thank you so much for that conversation. I, I, I want someone out there to do a word count and see how yeah. many times we use the word cookie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to uh, move on now to part two. Great. Let's jump into question one. What is your favorite China-related fact?
0: Ooh, so I recently have learned about this thing called panda diplomacy. Apparently, China owns most, if not all, of the pandas worldwide. And they kind of use them as like a bargaining tool so you can see the strength of the relations between countries and like you're standing with China based on the panda situation. I think that's so funny and that these like kind of super sweet but dumb pandas are like getting like tossed around (laughs) I just think that's great so that's definitely my favorite China fact and at this very moment China has or Shanghai at least these very intense garbage rules okay did you read about what you're supposed to do with dog poop now no. Okay. So just to give everyone an update. So you're supposed to separate all of your trash into wet, dry, whatever. It's very intense. There are guards outside making sure that you've separated your trash correctly. You get fined if you don't do it, which, again, cool. China, like, this is definitely moving in the right direction, but a little bit intense, kind of classic China style. But with dog poop, apparently, because that's a con- you're supposed to separate wet and dry, right? And so people were like, well, what are we supposed to do when we pick up dog waste? So what you're supposed to do is take your little baggie home. Dump the poop down the toilet, wash out the bag, and then recycle the bag. Oh, yeah.
1: Number two, do you have a favorite word or phrase in Chinese?
0: So I have a very I'm very lucky. I have amazing neighbors and I have really great bowwan and I have a very strong relationship with them. And they always are asking me, no matter the time of day, no matter if I've just seen them like five minutes before, Trifan ma," which is like, have you eaten? And I just think that's so sweet. I'm like, yeah, thank you for checking up on me and making sure I'm staying well-fed.
1: If you left China, what would you miss the most and what would you miss the least?
0: I would miss jianbing. It's a crispy crepe sort of pancake situation that combines eggs and scallions and these crisp, almost like crispy wontons. Is that how you would? I don't know what that is. There's this like bean curd in there and you can put spices. It's just incredible and it's very cheap. I could eat it twice a day.
1: I recently, I think it must have been a month ago. I saw an article about how they had a Gen Bing. I don't know what it was, like a stall in. I think it was in New York. Yes, somewhere near Yeah, yeah, expensive. Line. Yeah, yeah. It was 15, like ten dollars. No, no, fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. And
0: they do all this weird. I mean, okay, as long as you're spreading the Gen Bing word, I'm happy. But they put a ton of stuff in it. It's like, dare I say, bastardizing the Gen Bing. But no, no, they're just innovating. It's fun, but it's <laughs> really expensive.
1: Yes, yeah. Innovate all you want, but don't charge fifteen dollars. Yeah, yeah. And then the thing that you miss the least.
0: The thing I would miss the least is construction. Like I very much support all of the innovation that's going on and all of the cool things that's happening in Shanghai, but there's just been a constant stream of construction all around the area that I live in, and apparently it's going to be going on for the next two or three years. Yeah, it's just loud, and it happens in the middle of the night, and I'm just... my. (laughs) There was a point when... (laughs) Like my apartment was shaking in the middle of the night and waking me up. Yeah. So I'm just very over the dirty roads because I have a dog. So I walk him, he gets dirty, all this stuff. So I know that it's necessary. It happens in every city. But it's just been really hard to escape for me because I it's day and night, you know.
1: Is there anything that still surprises you about life in China?
0: Um, I would say, again, just how quickly things move here. So this has been the constant from 2010 until now. Things move and update so, so quickly. And that is just, I think, so unique to China at this very moment. And anything from food safety laws to traffic laws to construction to anything, it's just it's such a fast moving place. And uh, it's incredible, like the pace.
1: Where's your favorite place to go out um, to drink or to eat or just to hang out?
0: While it's no longer available to me, I would say um, in the past, it's been my friend Adam's apartment. So I think you came to a couple of his parties. But my friend Adam had this amazing apartment right on the corner of Fushing and Wulumuchi, And he made a New Year's resolution one year to throw a theme party every month. And he just nailed it. And every, it was super open. Like, you know, you could bring anyone. And there were various themes like, you know, Chinese New Year, um, 80s prom, all the stuff. And people would dress up and... So that was like, you know, party side. That was really fun to go out in. But also he had a great balcony. So, you know, kind of Sunday afternoons lounging on the balcony, That was pretty ideal.
1: Whenever I walk past that crossing, I think about yeah, it. Yeah. And I think I'm still on that WeChat group, actually. Yeah, it's, no,
0: he keeps it alive. Yeah,
1: <laughs> So funny. What's the best or worst purchase you've made in China?
0: Best purchase was definitely my inflatable bathtub.
1: Stop right there. Yeah. Inflatable bathtub. Yeah. Explain.
0: So pretty self-explanatory it's this like circular not that attractive bathtub that you just use a little pump to inflate i have a very small shower i can show you and unfortunately that doesn't leave a lot of options for bathtubs so i looked on taobao the best place in the world and found this light blue inflatable bathtub and so oh yeah just love it
1: what's your favorite wechat sticker
0: oh you want me to show you or explain oh it yeah everybody? show it to me now okay
1: Oh, there it is. Isn't okay. it cute? <laughs> Explain what this is. Okay,
0: so I'm not... Some people are very good at WeChat sticker language. I, you are one of them. Yeah, you're pointing to yourself. I was going to give that to you anyway, but sure.
1: <laughs> give me credit for my WeChat game. Come um,
0: on. Mine is very bad and very simple because it just takes so much time to be like, I don't know. So I like the ones that have been preloaded on my WeChat. And those are the little like bunnies. What are they? The little bunnies? And I find that the, like, who, like, what would you even call that hand motion? Like a hula almost? Yeah. It just applies in many situations. So I, I like the, like, it's just kind of my fallback. I get genuine joy from using it. And it's super cute.
1: Listen, I'll explain how you have many different stickers and uh-huh. make it work. You list them in order of what emotion you want to convey.
0: Really? Yeah. So how I do can- you change their order?
1: Oh, I'll teach you.
0: I don't want to be taught.
1: <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> What is your go-to song to sing at KTV?
0: Okay, so my go-to is Alanis Morissette, You Ought to Know. Oh. It's just a great one, but I'm going to say the best move I've ever pulled at KTV, and I love KTV. We actually haven't been together. We should totally go.
1: Why has that not happened?
0: I don't know. But the best move that I ever did was I went to a KTV with people I wasn't that close with. And so at like 2 a.m., everyone's pretty drunk. Like, people are singing their intense songs And at 2 a.m., I put on Enya's Only Time. Like, who can say? And it was so funny because everyone was like, who is this girl? Like, what is she singing? And I was taking it really seriously. And everyone's kind of drunk by that point. So, like, half the people didn't remember. But the people who do were like, what is that? So that was really fun.
1: You're the weird one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And finally, what other China-related sources of information do you rely on?
0: Ooh. um, Do you ever get this email? I'm on this newsletter thing called The China Skinny. No. So they just talk about trends in China. I think it's like a market, like you learn about the market. But they just have really interesting insights. And I think it's actually the only newsletter that I consistently read. And or if I don't have time to read it, I'll like save it and then and sit down with it. Yeah. So I actually I genuinely I think they're doing a great job. Nice. I'll
1: check it out. Well, thank you so much, Lexi. That was a pleasure.
0: Yeah, it was so fun.
1: And before you leave, um, so out of everyone you know in the rest of China, who do you recommend that I interview next?
0: Ooh, very easy question for me to answer. My friend Jamie Barris, who runs Untour with her business partner, Kyle. They basically give you a really awesome tour of the best street food in Shanghai or Beijing. They also partner, I think, in various other cities across China. And as someone who loves food, and especially street food, it's, uh, they just do a really good job. They give you, on the tours, they give you a ton of really cool information about Shanghai, about the food you're eating. It's not only satisfying for your tummy, but also for your brain.
1: Wow. Is that their tagline? No. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know I've heard of them because I met people who
0: have been on that tour. Have you never been on that tour? Never done it. I've been on it a bunch and I would 100% go with you. It's so fun. All right, maybe that's what we'll do. Yeah, that'd be great. She's not gonna tell you this because she's so humble, but they're super legit, like they took Usher, Heard of him. Heard of him. Took him on a tour. Yeah, they're great.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to speaking with her. Yeah. And just thank you for coming, Lexi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Bye. So this is the first time someone specifically mentioned pandas since episode 10 in which Lori Lee's favourite WeChat sticker was an angry panda. I want more panda chat. For example, did you know that the Chinese for panda is Xiong Mao, which literally means bear cat? Yes, maybe you did know that. But try this, did you know that there was a scientific debate about whether the giant panda bear is actually a bear? Or is it more like the red panda, which is a member of the raccoon family? And yes, maybe you had heard about panda diplomacy before this episode, but did you know that it's been going on since Wu Zetian sent a couple of them to Japan in the year 685? People, get into it! I don't know why I'm shouting, I just like pandas, okay? Lexi's favourite word or phrase in Chinese was 直番lama which literally means, have you eaten? But as Lexi also knows, it really just means, hello. I talk about this in more detail at the end of episode seven with Michael Z from Symmetry Breakfast. The interesting thing I want to add this time is about the particle le in Japan le ma. So humor me here. Many people learning Chinese think that le changes the sentence to the past tense. And in this case, it's true. ma means, are you eating? And chufanlema means, have you eaten? But actually, l doesn't denote the past. It denotes a change of state. So when Lexi's neighbors are saying chufanlema, they're actually kind of asking, have you gone from the state of not eating to a state of having eaten? <laughs> Let me give you another example. So taking last week's episode with Stefan, I said that I've gained weight in Shanghai because I don't find it very easy to go running here. And I'm sure Lexi's cookies don't help either. So if I say, it means I'm fat. But if I say it doesn't mean I've fatted. It means I've got fat. I've changed into the state of being fat. I'm I'm fat, okay? Loads of photos to share from today, please check them out on the handle Mosaic of China on Instagram, Facebook or Weibo. Or join the group on WeChat and add me on my ID Oscar10877 and I'll add you to the group. There are photos of the three cookies that Lexi specifically mentioned in our chat. One of them is green tea and marzipan, the second one is yangmei and coconut, and the final one is Sichuan pepper and chestnut. Apart from that, there's Lexi's favourite WeChat sticker, the hula dancing rabbit. There are photos with her doggy Mario. There are some images of the Shanghai recycling rules, which are, of course, full on. Uh, But actually they're no worse than the rules that I followed when I lived in Japan in 1999, or even Germany back in 1996, so maybe it's about time they caught up here. 1996, oh my word, I'm fat and old. There are pictures of the delicious Jianbing, the thing that Lexi would miss the most if she left China. A few photos from the costume parties that Lexi mentioned. Shout out to Adam's WeChat group. And yes, I called it a costume party. To all the Americans out there, a Brit would call that a fancy dress party. Believe me, I do realize how stupid that sounds. And last but not least, I asked Lexi to send me a photo of her best purchase in China, the inflatable bath. And the thing that she sent me qualifies as one of the best images I'm posting all season. Mosaic of China is me, Oscar Fuchs, extra editing support from Milo de Prieto, artwork by Danny Newell and China support from Alston Gong. See you again next week.